Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. If you have a copy of God's Word, go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to read from there in just a moment, several verses. Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start in verse number 10, and we'll go uh, through verse 18. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 18. If you're there, say amen. All right, if you're going to rely on the Bible behind me, say amen. Yeah, that's what I could tell. Some of you are like, we'll just, we'll just trust you. All right, uh, some of y'all. All right, here we go. Verse 10, finally, finally. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, man, this is encouraging, Amen. Somebody's like, you should be more positive. I'm positive this stuff's true. All right, like, here we go. Uh, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness in place with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And to the reading of the Word, God's people said, Amen. 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 I'm going to preach for a few minutes on the thought unfair warfare, unfair warfare. And um, I was thinking about unfair warfare and I was remembering back to when I was uh, probably five years old. It was right before I was going into kindergarten. I do remember that and we were, uh, I lived in an apartment with my family and um, it was an apartment that kind of had apartments around uh, this, like a square and then inside was a big field and there was a community pool, apartment pool in there. And so one summer uh, afternoon, I was there at the pool playing with some friends. And whatever friend I was playing with said, you want to come over to my apartment, my house? I said, yeah. I went and asked my parents. They said, yeah, you can go. And so I went to his house, his apartment. Uh, I was on the opposite side of where our apartment was. And I went in there. And I don't remember what we were doing, playing, doing whatever. But I do remember this. He had a dog. He had a big German shepherd and uh, sometimes I'll mention breeds in uh, uh, service and somebody's like, you said something bad about my dog. I was like, no, uh, I like dogs. I love dogs. I mean, I love all breeds of dogs and there's no bad breeds. Sometimes there's some bad dogs and sometimes there's some bad owners, amen, but there's no, all right. So this happened to be a German shepherd and uh, I, I had made a new friend and I was petting him and I was, I, I thought we were gonna be lifelong friends, me and my new friend, this German shepherd. I don't remember what his name was, but I was petting him and then I wanted to show my new friend some affection and so I put my head 
down on his back, and then I was just petting his head like this. And so I don't know why I did that, but I was shorter back then. So that's about right there where I was. So I just kind of give him a little, little head hug, you know, and I was just petting his head while I put my head down on his back. And uh, I don't know what happened with that German shepherd, but he did not like that move. Gave me no warning at all, with no growl, with no bark. He just sits there and just comes back and twists his head back and bites me in the face takes off a big chunk of my, of my cheek. I mean, just ripped my, my cheek off. And so I, I, I'm sitting there holding my face immediately, bleeding all over the place. I'm sitting there holding my face. And the mother of this uh, kid who's at how, whose apartment I'm at, she goes, you need to go home. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, you think so? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's probably good, because that's how they did it back in the day. Some of you young people, you, you're a soft generation, okay? You don't know what it was like. Back then, if a five-year-old got bit in the face, they said, son, you just need to get on back home. And so that's what she did. And so I just started walking. I can remember, this is one of my first memories, of walking across that field, walking by the pool, <laughs> just blood just all over me face hanging off. I get home. They rush me to the uh, emergency room and I end up having to get about 16 or 18 stitches across my face to put everything back together. Um, it was funny. Uh, a, a few weeks later, I was in kindergarten and it was time for pictures because that's usually there at the first part of the year. And uh, I had not healed very much at all during the, during the pictures. There's a, a pretty good uh, scar there. And uh, so when I was getting my kindergarten picture taken, they were trying to minimize the look. Uh, so she'd be like, a little bit more sideways. And I'd go, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit. And it, my, my kindergarten picture ended up being a mugshot. It's just like <laughs> to, hide, to hide the scar from my new friend. And uh, that, was the, that was when I was really, that was my setback into my male modeling career. That's when I knew um, I was gonna need to do something else with my life, but um, here I am. And so, um, but uh, the, the, in that moment, as, as I'm remembering back to that, um, the thought occurs to me that as we talk about unfair warfare, the most dangerous opponents that we have in life are the ones that we take lightly. The, most, the, the places that we are at the most vulnerable, the wars in which we are the most vulnerable are the wars that we don't even think have been engaged. And so sometimes we can be in the midst of a vast spiritual war and we're just sitting here going, no, everything's fine. Like we're just sitting there petting the monster and the monster is, has, has one plan and that's to steal, kill, and to destroy. And we're just going, well, no, everything's gonna be fine. That's when we are at our most dangerous is when we are fighting an enemy that doesn't fight fair. Amen. That was me there as a, as a uh, as a kindergartner, and this is what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 6. We read these eight, uh, nine verses here in Ephesians chapter 6 that talks about the war that is raging, the enemies that are out there, the, 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 the war that Paul is trying to employ you to take serious. And because there is a war, then he talks about kind of what we better be. And because there's a war... He says in verse 10, be strong in the Lord in this mighty power. Because there's a war, we better be powerful, okay? It's, it's not really an option for us to be weak. We, we had better be powerful because there's a war. As a matter of fact, Paul said, finally, be strong in the Lord. I feel like Paul was telling some of you, it's time to get strong. Yeah. 
okay? You've been kind of barely holding on, barely going for long enough. Paul says it's time to get the discipline in your life. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. If for those people that go and sign up for uh, our military, almost every branch of our military, there will be a test even to get into the military, a test of strength. They're going to see how many push-ups and how many sit-ups and how long you can run. They're going to do that just to even see about you getting into the military. And then what are they going to do when you get in? They're going to make you even stronger. They're going to send you away to basic training. It's one of the things I love when I see young men, young women who, who go into the military and they, they go away to basic training and they come back before they, they uh, go on assignment. And so they'll, they'll come back from basic training and I'll see some kid. I'll be like, man, you grew up in a hurry. Like all of a sudden they just come back already in different kind of shape, different muscles, different strength. Why? Because the army wanted to see how strong they were when they came in, but they're also going to make them more strong. Now, why would our military want its warriors to be strong is because the possible enemies that are going to come our way, they're working on being strong too. That's what's going on here. Paul is saying because of the war that is raging and because the forces and the enemies that we fight with have strength, then that's why you have got to be strong. That's why you've got to pay the price as a Christian to not just be a Christian, but to be a strong Christian. I just have a feeling that if I polled everybody across all of our campuses with a, a secret poll today and I said, you have to honestly choose one of the three and how would you describe yourself? And I could say, are you a strong Christian? Are you just a Christian? Or are you a weak Christian? And I'm afraid that I might be disappointed with the results that would come in from a poll across our church. Are you a Christian, a strong Christian, or a weak Christian? Because I have a feeling that too many of you would feel uncomfortable being honest about yourself and checking the box that says strong Christian. You'd think, well, no, I'm just a Christian and maybe I'm a weak Christian because I'm kind of not where I should be. Well, here's the problem is biblically, and what, and what Paul's saying here, there's just not a lot of room biblically for a weak, anemic, powerless Christian. What Christianity is, 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 a, is someone who has tapped in to a source of power. It's someone who has tapped in to a relationship with Jesus. And so if you feel powerless, Paul would say to you today, look, it's time. Finally, be strong in the Lord. Do whatever disciplines you need to do to be strong. Become a person of prayer. Become a person of worship. Did you know that in this service a few moments ago, that was an opportunity to be stronger? And some of us missed it because we were thinking about what we had going on last week, because we're thinking about what we got going on next week. We missed it because we're down over this or because uh, everything's fine and we feel like I don't really need God today. But it was an opportunity. Some of us, we were up there lifting our hands and we were proclaiming the name of Jesus and proclaiming what the power of Jesus can do over our life. And what was happening? Mm, we were getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Take advantage of every opportunity you have to not just be a Christian, but to be a strong Christian. I don't watch a ton of MMA, but I've seen a few MMA fights. And as I have watched a few MMA fights or a few MMA rounds that I have watched, I have never, ever had this thought while I was watching any MMA fight. I have never thought, hmm, I'd like to get in the round with that guy. 
I never waited to the end of a match and see who the winner was and think, I might give him a call and I, I'd like to see what I could do. I, I think I could go a few rounds with him. Like I've never, ever, never had that thought at all. Matter of fact, I have had the opposite thought. I've seen those two dudes going at each other thinking, I do not want any, either of them to be mad at me ever. I have had that thought, but here's the craziness that somebody somewhere else is watching that exact same MMA match that I'm watching and they're thinking what I just said. They're thinking, I would like to get in the round with that guy. Now, what is the difference between that person and me? A lot. <laughs> but let me tell you the main difference because here, it's true. Like, let's say they're watching, it's the, it's the number two and number, uh, the number one ranked fighter in MMA, and they're fighting each other. I promise the number six ranked fighter in MMA is watching that fight going, I'd like to get in the ring with them. What's the difference between us? The difference is strength. The difference is training. The difference is preparation. It's the difference is this person has decided I'm going to be a powerful force inside of a fight. I'm going to be a powerful person. And so that's the difference. And what Paul is saying is he's calling Christians to decide finally to not just be Christians, but to be powerful. To be Christians who say, when I see a fight coming, I'm going to step up on the front lines and say, bring it on. When I see the enemy attacking my family, I'm going to be the one that steps out on the front line and say, no, 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 it ain't going to happen because of my prayer life, because of my worship life because of my understanding of the Word of God. When I see somebody going through something that, who I work with and their, their life is falling apart, I'm going to be the one that steps up and say, listen, I'll pray for you. And the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So things are going to change as a result of this. This is what Paul's talking about. And because of the war that's going on, we had better be powerful Christians Paul says it this way, another, another verse talking about spiritual warfare and talks about this power. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with, 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, our weapons have divine power. There it is again. Power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments we demolish pretensions that set themselves up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought. That's where the battle is happening in the spiritual, in the unseen. And Paul says we have power to demolish strongholds. And the stronger the hold, the more power you better have. Right? right? Like if somebody puts one, one ring of, a, of a masking tape around my, my wrist, I can break that off with the amount of power I have. But if someone puts some real police handcuffs on me, the amount of power I have, I'm not going to be break, break those off. It's going to take more power to break that stronghold than it did to break this stronghold. Well, there are some strongholds in our life that you've got to be a powerful Christian to break off of your life or to see broken off of somebody else's life. And the time to start becoming powerful is not when the stronghold is come comes on you. No, you got to decide to be a powerful Christian. We better be powerful. Verse 12, Paul goes on as in Ephesians 6, talks about where our struggle is. And I would say we better be prepared if this war is real. He says, for our struggle is not Another version says, we wrestle not, our struggle is not, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I know what happens when I read that verse. 
when we start talking about rulers and authorities and powers in the dark world and spiritual forces of evil. I know what happens. I know that some of us in the room go, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like that stuff. Don't talk about that stuff. Like, I don't, I don't really like to engage in that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? That doesn't change the fact that it's real. That doesn't change the fact that it's going to get engaged up on you. Well, but I don't, I don't know if I believe all that. Again, great. It just doesn't change the fact that they're there, all right? Paul is, Paul is going work. He's, Paul's working overtime in this one verse. Look at how many different words he, he gives you to describe this demonic horde that's going on in the heavenlies, rulers, authorities, powers, spiritual forces of evil. I mean, he's trying to get the point across that there's a lot going on up there. Uh, John, in Revelation, John hints to us where these forces of evil, these spiritual forces of darkness, where these rulers and authorities, where they came from. In Revelation, John hints that they came as one-third of the angels from heaven falls uh, when, when the devil falls from heaven. That's where this uh, army, this horde comes from, is, is that. And, and the devil is the ruler. The devil is, the, uh, is in charge of these, of these uh, principalities and powers and rulers and authorities uh, and spiritual forces. The devil's in charge. Now, where did the devil come from? Well, there's three named, can I teach for just a second? All right, three named angels in Scripture. Only three angels are given a name in Scripture. Uh, one is, is Michael. Uh, he is uh, named in the Bible. And with Michael, he's a, usually linked with prayer and warfare. Uh, Gabriel is a mentioned angel in the Bible. He is usually linked with a message, a messenger of the word. And the third named angel in the Bible is Lucifer. And uh, Lucifer uh, was linked with worship. And uh, pride somehow enters Lucifer's uh, mind and, and uh, situation. And he decides that he no longer wants to give worship, but he wants to receive worship. And is he, he kicked out of heaven. Uh, and uh, again, like we said, uh, it's implied that a third of the angels fall from heaven at the same time. So we can stick our head in the sand and go, I don't like to think about any of that. But what Paul would, would encourage you to do instead is to be prepared and just to have an understanding. Matter of fact, there was a, a Chinese um, military leader back, way, way back, 500 BC, um, uh, and his name was Sun Tzu, and he had a collection of documents that ended up kind of getting put together, became known as the art of war, and became world famous, and different military leaders studied the art of war. Um, people have turned it into business books and different things like that. But he said something in these writings that, I, that is true that I want to quote him today. He, he was talking about knowing your enemy, how important it is for us to know our enemy. And he said, for if you know your enemy and yourself, he wrote, you need not fear the result of a of hundred battles. If you know your enemy and you know yourself, you don't have to fear no matter how many battles come your way. But not knowing, being in ignorance, that's not really, really gonna be a good option and the problem is, for many Christians, that's what we've chosen to do. Matter of fact, Barna did a poll uh, back in 2020, so it's just a couple years old, and he polled Christians, people who call themselves Christians, and in that, in that poll, uh, they 
60% of people who wear the name Christian, 60% said that they, that they believe uh, Satan is not a real, uh, real uh, entity. It's, he's, not a, 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 he's not a real being. It's just a symbol of evil. 60%. And then 8% said we're not sure what to think. So we're talking 30, 32% of Christians even under, have a biblical worldview of who Satan is. I mean, Jesus, when he's, when he's fasting, Satan comes to him to tempt him and has a conversation. So if you ask Jesus if Satan's real, Jesus would tell you, yeah, he's real. But yet 60% of Christians are going, I don't even think that's real. It's just kind of a thing. It's just a concept. It's just a, it's just a metaphor. This is the danger when we're, not, when we're not prepared for an enemy that we don't even think is real. Now, Paul said, so we wrestle not with flesh and blood. And um, when I think about wrestling, I, I, I'm not like a big fan of professional wrestling. I don't really watch any of it. I'm not even sure which letters are the most popular brand of, of uh, professional wrestling right now. Um, used, like WWE, WWF, that's a few years back. I don't know what it is now. Um, but professional wrestling, y'all know what that is, right? Some of you watch it and you're into it, and um, that's awesome, all right? Good. Not preaching against that today. Next week, starting a series. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so there's that. But then there's also wrestling in the Olympics. And what I've noticed is if you watch about five minutes of professional wrestling and you watch about five minutes of Olympic wrestling, you're going to notice a vast difference. And uh, one of the most striking differences you're gonna notice is the amount of actually wrestle, how much wrestling actually goes on. Because in professional wrestling, not a lot of wrestling goes on. I mean, there's a lot of pomp, there's a lot of production, there's a lot of talking, there's a lot of yelling, there's a lot of, I mean, lights and cameras and whatever. Not a ton of wrestling going on. But then in the Olympics, they don't have any of that stuff. But in the Olympics, what they do is they, they actually wrestle. Like, it's, it's wrestling. And I think those two pictures is good for us to decide what kind of spiritual combat are we involved in. Because the church can be tempted to come over here and get involved in all the stuff that looks like I'm busy doing spiritual warfare. We get involved in doing all this stuff that makes me look like some spiritual giant, but we're not actually wrestling the forces of evil in the way that Paul would just would ask us to. In other words, let me say this. Paul said, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Can I tell you, you are not here to wrestle against your neighbors, even if they have a Halloween thing set up in their yard. I got more people in my neighborhood with Halloween stuff than Christmas stuff they'll have. But listen, that's not who I'm fighting against is my neighbors. Even if they come knock on my door tomorrow night, that's not who I'm not called to fight against them. I'm not called to fight against politicians or the government. Now, should we, should we vote and pray for our leaders? Yes, completely biblical. When you vote, vote biblical guidelines. But I just gotta, I gotta say this, I got this card from a, an organization that was talking about voting, voting biblical values. Again, love it, all over that. We have some stuff out there that, that, that can help you do that. All about that. But in this flyer, it said that this election coming up is very, very important. And, it, and, it, and, I, and I agree, it is very, very important. But then he said this, he said, this election could either uh, you know, cause the, the United States to fall deeper into immorality and fall apart, or he said this election, if it went a different way on this flyer, uh, he said it could usher in the next great awakening from God. Now here's the thing, 
Do I want an awakening from God to happen? Yes. Does God need an election to go a certain way for him to bring revival on our nation? No, he does not. Because God knows that happens in the heavenlies, right? That happens when the church decides, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna be powerful, I'm gonna believe. That's, what, that's, that's when revival comes. Do, do we vote? Do we pray for our leaders? Yes. But we're not here to fight against uh, our, our, our politicians or fight against the government or fight against, you're not, you're not called to fight against social media accounts. Some of you keyboard warriors thinking this is where I'm really making the difference. <laughs> Once I win this argument, boy, the world's gonna, no. Spend some of that energy on your knees. Watch what happens when, ah, I gotta stop. We're not here to, we're not called to fight against uh, 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 retailers. We're not called to fight against our unsaved co-workers. You're not, you're not, you're, you're not start to start a war against your boss. You, you don't know my boss. I think he is the devil. No, he's not. We're, no, we're, really, we're, we're not even really called to fight against the entertainment industry. No, this is a spiritual battle in the heavenlies. That's what we need to be prepared for. Got to be powerful. Got to be prepared. Got to be protected. That's what Paul starts to talk about next. Verse 13, he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, here's what, whether you know it or not, this is what we don't like about that verse. We like the verses that are automatic. We like the verses that are like, uh, and once, you know, God's going to just do this and God's going to make a way where there seems to be no way and God's going to, uh, and you'll receive this and you'll receive that. We like those verses a lot. This is not one of those automatic, you're going to receive it. I don't know if you caught it, but Paul said, no, you, you, you put on the full armor. And in the Greek, it's stronger than it is even, even in, the, in the English translation. In the Greek, it's very strong, like your responsibility your gig, you decide daily if you want to armor up or not. It's you. It's on you. God said, I've provided it, but I'm not going to put it on you. Like, I've laid out your outfit for tomorrow, but you got to decide to put it on. You got to decide whether or not you're going to live a life that's protected, armor up. And I don't have time, of course, to teach on all of these pieces of the armor. I'm going to teach for a second on one of them. Let me just mention them all, though. He says to stand firm with the belt of truth. Honesty and consistent, careful communication is such a protection in your life. If you'll just be a person of truth. Bible says the, the, breast, the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness is just really, it means to do the right thing, having right actions. It's amazing that just the, the right action, like tomorrow you'll be faced, you'll hit a fork in the road tomorrow where you can do the right thing or you can do the easy thing, where you can do the right thing or the thing that maybe you won't get caught. Like that's gonna happen, it always does. And if we'll choose the right thing, it'll protect our life. That's a spiritual battle. Feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Like I am fully at peace knowing that I'm living a life that communicates the gospel. I'm living a life, I'm ready to communicate the gospel with my life or with my, with my mouth, with my message. That's what that means. In addition to all this, Paul says, take up the shield of faith. I'm gonna teach for that on that one in just a moment. Let me go on. He says, take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, not just talking about our, our one-time salvation you know, 30 years ago, 
But this, he's talking about like an, an ongoing renewing of your mind that almost daily, I, I, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just walking in that salvation again. And the protection that I'll come when I allow God to renew my mind. And then he says, and take the sword of the Spirit. It's the only offensive part of the armor of God mentioned, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is why I would encourage you. Be ready for spiritual battles. Have some verses loaded up in your holster. Like when things start to go down, you can start to quote some scripture. Be ready for that. Uh, and so get in the word of God. Be a person who reads the word often. Be a person who memorizes the word of God so that you have a weapon ready to go in those moments. But let me teach for a moment on the shield of faith. Because in that, Paul said, take up the shield of faith. And the reason why I focus on it today is because he said, with this, with this, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. So this one kind of gets a little bit more of a spiritual warfare tied to it as Paul's describing all the armor, which is why I would spend a second on it today. So this is kind of what one of those shields would have looked like back in Paul's day. And um, um, enemies back then would dip their arrows into something flammable and light the arrow on fire and then shoot that arrow at somebody. And the thing about a flaming arrow is it does not have to be that accurate. Just wherever it's gonna hit, that fire is gonna spread and cause some problems. That's kind of how the enemy is. He's just throwing everything he can your way. It doesn't have to be all that accurate, but if you let the fire go, it will start to consume you at some point. So the thing about these, uh, these, these shield, this shield of faith is back in Paul's day, and people think that uh, Paul did write this from prison. They, they think he was probably looking at a Roman guard, and this imagery was kind of like fresh in his mind as he's writing it. But the thing about these shields back then is they had this straight edge on each side. The reason why they did it is because then the next soldier would stand with his edge right there, and then the next soldier, and then the next soldier, and then the next soldier. You want to talk about this kind of protection with one shield versus the kind of protection where it's a wall all around me, and we can advance together with shield by shield by shield. That's, that's real protection. Which you know how we always talk about, like, come to church if you can, like, be here with us in person, because it's better in person. It is better in person, but here's the real truth. You're actually safe because you're surrounded, all right? There's safety knowing that we're here putting our shields of faith together. We're even more protected. All right, 70, believe me on that. That's fine. We'll get there. I'll get the rest of you. The shield of faith, also, it, Paul says it would extinguish these flaming arrows that come our way. And um, it's interesting to me that he says, Faith. It's, it's a shield of faith that puts out those weapons. Like how I believe puts out the weapons. In other words, the only people that can't win are the ones who think they can't win. If I don't believe I'm protected, I'm probably not protected because it is a shield of faith. So when those arrows are coming, and a lot of us in this room know what it's like when those arrows start to hit our mind, start to hit our conscious. Those arrows come in and Satan whispers, you're nothing, you're no good. You'll never amount to anything spiritually. You're pathetic. 
You could never make a difference. How, how could God love you after what you did? Your marriage will always be bad. You'll always be broke. You'll always be sick. You'll always be miserable. These arrows are coming in. And as they come in, if I start to believe that, what I'm doing, I'm lowering my shield. Every time I believe it, every time I decide you're right, enemy, you're right, enemy, I'm lowering my shield. Instead, when those arrows are coming your way, that where the enemy would say, uh, you, you know, you're nothing, you're always gonna be nothing. When those arrows start to come in, instead, be a person who says this, no, I have a shield of faith. I choose to believe what God says about me, not what you say about me. And God says, I'm blessed coming in and I'm blessed going out. God says I'm an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. Matter of fact, God says I'm more than an overcomer. Over, I'm more than an overcomer. God says greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. God says he's gonna turn everything around for good to those who are called according to his purpose. That, that is a shield of faith. And then what happens? Those arrows just hit it and are extinguished immediately. Because there's a war you better be protected. The last one, I don't have time to teach on this like I should. It says in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Did you hear it? Did you hear the repetition? Paul is saying this, because there's a war, you better be prayed up. You better be people of prayer. That's where the battle really happens. That's where the victory really comes is in prayer. Paul says it all kinds of ways, in the spirit, all occasions, all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests. Be alert, always keep on praying. I mean, he is just overloading this thing with verbiage to get you to realize how powerful prayer is. And yet in the church, prayer is the most unexplored area of the Christian life. Prayer is the most powerful weapon in the Christian life. Prayer is the most hell-feared weapon in the Christian life. Do you know who believes in prayer more than some of you believe in prayer? The devil. Not that he practices it, but he has felt the effects of it. And so the devil believes in prayer more than some of us believe in prayer. We've got to be people of prayer. We've got to be people that when we sense the battle raging, when we sense the attack coming, we've got to be people who step up when we sense the attack upon our family, when we sense the attack upon our mind, when we sense the attack upon our body. We've got to be people that step up and say, no, 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 I am going to pray and I'm going to keep on praying. I'm not going to stop praying. I'm going to pray all kinds of prayers, all kinds of times, all kinds of way with all kinds of people. I'm just going to pray and pray and pray until breakthrough comes. That has to be that has to be part of our life and our battle. Now, let me end with this. Why would God not just defeat the enemy once and for all for us? It's an important question because I know that maybe during this message, somebody has thought that, like, well, I thought if God's all powerful, why didn't he just wipe out all these spiritual forces of evil and let us go? I'm not fully sure, but this is what I. I suspect. I have watched some, especially college football games seems to be come to my mind, where at the end of the game, maybe it's a close game and all of a sudden one team wins and the other loses. And a lot of times in those college football games, there'll be a lot of fans from both teams and they'll pan the crowd. 
and they'll show the team that just lost, the fans. And it's funny. I mean, they're over there just like, <laughs> there'll be little kids just crying, just people just devastated, just sitting back on their seat because their team just lost. Just, I mean, destroyed, devastated, depressed. It's kind of funny. Then they'll flip, flip to the other crowd. And I mean, wow, the contrast. Just overjoyed, jumping around, shouting. I mean, just going crazy, not a thought, not a care in the world. And you look at that and you go, wow, that, man, there must be something. That, that sense of victory is so empowering. That sense of victory is so, man, that's really something. Did you know that, I, 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 I think I, I would believe that God would go, I have set this up. Matter of fact, the title of this message was Unfair Warfare. And I did talk about the enemy being unfair, but this might be the most unfair part of the warfare. The most unfair part of the warfare is this. We win either way. It's kind of unfair that we get to step into the battle knowing that 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us the victory. And then we get to do life with a victorious mindset. We get to do life with somebody that knows what it's like to go through a battle and come out on the other side victorious. And I'm gonna submit to you, that's better than never having battled at all. Could that be why? God allows us to stay in this war so that you can be victorious. I am, I've prayed for your victory this week and I believe some of you are gonna experience it right now. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.